unofficial voice of the marvelous Marvel film and television community. My name is Matt, and joining me once again is the man who says hubba bubba to the siren of the Strategic Scientific Reserve. It's Pete. What's buzzing, cousin? Good Lord, man. Agent Carter radio program by Fantastic Geek for episode 202, A View in the Dark, is brought to you by Violet's Cookies. Better to nurse one of them than half a bear claw. give you the latest and the greatest the need to know pete where do we start peggy finds jarvis lifting weights <laughs> indeed certainly uh here we are again at uh, stately stark manor and he's wearing that i don't even know what you call it that wh- i, I believe it's a it's a workout swimming outfit as well <laughs> old timey uh down the shore attire it's it is delightful seeing these two characters together it escalates as we have stark talking about being a serious judoku stark? it's comedy cold stark? a stark oh my goodness uh, if only if only jarvis talking about uh being a serious judoku it's all comedy gold pete yes i love that uh he references since their adventures in new york uh he's had to uh work on the deadly arts and uh fencing being a gentlemanly pursuit he's gone to the boxing he's gone to the judo hey peggy try to take me down there's flipping and chopping hilarity no surprise that uh that his skills are inferior to hers uh it, it, it's a it's a punchline that we see coming a mile away but still is uh just as funny a couple of flips later pete uh she's on top of him and open-minded uh Anna there, she's, uh, you know, just willing to crack a joke seeing uh, a woman on top of her husband. Very European, Pete. Yeah, he's never more lethal than when he's on his back. <laughs> Which I don't, I, I I guess that's a compliment, but uh, I don't know about, I, I I certainly wouldn't want my wife saying that about me. That's what I'd say. Lethal, I, I, I don't know. Anyhow, Pete, let's, I'm, I'm blushing here, all this, all this, all this, <laughs> the marrieds. Uh, meanwhile, Sousa is talking with Rose, the secretary, about his secret love. Uh, they're, of course, walking to the office. And Pete, it's comedy gold. Who's going to be in the office? Of course, Peggy and the uh, blonde nurse he was seen with before, who we learn her name is Violet, right after this scene. But her grandfather is from the same uh, hometown as uh, Peggy, makes them practically related. They're going to join Violet and Sousa for dinner. The reservation was only for two, but they'll pull up a chair. Uh, Cookie Matt? Yeah, Peggy and Violet, two gal pals, you know. I guess Sousa has a type, you could say. Um wasn't crazy about the look rose eats a lot of cookies joke but i guess when you're going for comedy you go for comedy from all from all quarters and uh yum yum with the cookie with that pete we cut to calvin arriving at his club whoa uh, whoa whoa! you're leaving out the other cookie there matt 
But what? Our frozen girl, Jane Scott. The, ah, uh, yes, indeed. The guy who kills the men in containment suits and then takes her body. Ah, yes. How, how could I have forgotten two men in rubber containment suits being shot as they carry an ice cube girl in a big frozen box? Absolutely correct there, Pete. Killed by the unnamed man. Then, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, then we move back to Chadwick at his club, correct? Yes, and uh, he's told there are some gentlemen in the room waiting for him. He goes over to a knight, and Matt, the uh, piece on the knight's armor that he flips is actually called the beaver. It's the visor that he flips and uh, goes into the meeting, which he didn't even know they were having on the books. Take a seat, Calvin. Never good when your secret evil club has a meeting uh, already in in uh, in session and uh, you're the guest of honor and you didn't know and no one is wearing a happy birthday hat or one of those blowy things um, because it's not They're a surprise noise birthday makers, party. Noisemakers, <laughs> indeed. Um, I, I was just still amazed by your your knowledge about uh, the 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 portions of a knight's suit of armor and the beaver and such. Pete, meeting is the council. They're ready to shut him down uh, and all his work at Isodyne. Wait a minute, Pete. They're all wearing those pins that Dottie had. Yes, and among them is a sexist Roxon chief seen in season one. Ah, I, certainly I recognize the actor. Uh, how wonderful that, that, that uh, once again, there's this... Uh, continuity man there's this continuity it's like jeff Loeb. i've never seen anybody take the the, the two the the middle and pointer finger of one hand making a v and the middle and finger of the other hand and put them together to make a a a pseudo fingered hashtag but i've been using that with the kids uh since i saw jeff Loeb do it because who's cool if not jeff Loeb? and hashtag i'm doing it now can you hear it pete i can hashtag it's all connected yes but, uh, you know, they're concerned here about the attracted attention and investigation from the feds. Despite this invention that they're working on here, the body has been moved. They tell them not to take it personally. And then, Matt, the added creepy angle of the candles here that as they decide this, they douse with their fingers. It's it's such narrative efficiency. You want to sell the creepiness and not the, you know, oh, they're the board of directors for Isodyne. Or, you know, you, you kind of want to really make it clear that they're evil, but not have them say, you know, and now let's conclude with our closing Hydra prayer. Hail Hydra. Hydra is, all, you know, like you want to save some of the mystery for whatever they are up to. And the candles sell it, man. A little lick to the finger. They're bad guys shutting down Isodyne. Let's focus on Calvin's Senate campaign. And uh, we're metaphorically off to the races, having been literally there last episode. I got to throw a little cold water onto the Hydra stuff just, you know, responsibly. So, Matt, we're going to call this group for now Isodyne. <laughs> wow. You don't think that's... Uh... Wow, I just, I'm just going to say wow. I'm just going to say wow. And I will say, though, that we cut to Peggy and Sousa finding the bodies of those two agents that were that were gunned down. Uh, we're now, Pete, in, 
the, the concrete entombed Los Angeles River. Yeah, so I was going to say the L.A. River here. This was a professional hit. There's no sign of Jane Scott. So they're ready to go back in packing a warrant to Isodyne. Just in time for Isodyne to be declaring that they have a reactor radiation leak or something. So now they have a they have a sign up, which means you can't go through. Um, use of the camera angles and cutting here really kind of push some of the the zany comedy of it. Um, again, the show kind of just edging ever so slightly into a funnier place when the story calls for it and uh, certainly an appreciated shift in tone. It's a small leak. They've got it under control. Matt, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm great. I'm great. And inside Isodyne, why, Pete, it's Dr. Wilkes again. Uh, he's sneaking about. He goes into the uh, the APO room, Pete. That's uh, authorized personnel only. That's a little mm-hmm. something I picked up from, uh, well, from, from a dark and seedy past. And, Pete, he uses two paper clips to open the file cabinet like you do. And uh, he takes some test footage there from the Mojave test program. Mysteries abound there, Pete. There's also a bespectacled chap on the prowl keeping an eye out. Yeah, this is after, of course, he has slipped a note to Peggy that he aims to cooperate, despite the fact that Sousa feels they should have arrested him the night before because he knows something. But he's going to play ball, picking that file cabinet, getting the secret footage, which somebody sees happen as we hand into an act break. Act break now concluded. Uh, they're off to meet Wilkes, Sousa, and uh, and Peggy are, and uh, they're back at SSR headquarters. And uh, darn it, Pete, if we don't get a little bit more character uh, character bit here, because out of Sousa's pocket comes a tumble in a box. Pete, they might be headed down to the Dunbar Hotel, but what's in that box? What's in the box? It's an engagement ring. Oh, how that must cut for Peggy. And uh, there, there are compliments from her, congratulations, but it does ring hollow, doesn't it, Pete? It does. And I think it's no coincidence that we go from her heartache with Sousa to Anna prodding her about her plans for the evening, that she's heading to the Dunbar, that she's been told to look swanky, uh, asks if she dances here, and um, that Jarvis has her... Uh, heading on into town, taking her through the accoutrements of the car here, the sock on the doorknob, the seats which recline. Is that a mirror? (laughs) Uh, I, I, Pete, I believe that in the footage we've seen from this scene at New York Comic Con and elsewhere, uh, many of those jokes were mentioned. The the mirror on the ceiling, not mentioned based on my recollection. All I can say is yowza. Yeah, and uh, we, we did get to see a little bit more to this, which didn't make the finished product here uh, at New York Comic Con. It's, it's one of the, uh, the perks of being there for it. But uh, from there, we get uh, the meeting with Wilkes in public. Uh, a couple gin rickies ordered here even though uh peggy's more of a whiskey gal uh but he wants to know where she grew up 
and we get the story here about Hempstead just outside of London. Um, and we transition Matt from one warm gal talking about her past to a frosty gal acting in the past. Right before we transition to that, Wilkes makes reference to uh, how uh, he was reminded by two corporate lawyers that if he shares anything, it might end up in uh, charges of treason and hanging. Um, but uh, as you said, Pete, we cut to uh, to Frost acting and essentially in, in, in rapid succession by one of those callous Hollywood director types. She's told that she's old, she's fat, and she's old. And I think we have revenge in the future, Pete, especially with the use of that uh, that that familiar uh, actor, one, one part of a twinned pair. Um, I, I have to believe he'll be back in, in a future episode with some sort of ghastly revenge. Yeah, reference to the lines under her eyes, the wardrobe. Oh, she can barely breathe already. Well, somebody's skipping lunch today, aren't you? Be a trooper. Uh, so with all this motivation that we're, we're piling on top of uh, Whitney Frost, um, we go back to Wilkes. And uh, it's the idea of trustworthiness that she and Peggy are talking about. But wait, hey, it's his song. Yeah, really nice moment. I did not have a sense uh, at this point uh, on first viewing how long or short amount of time we would have for Wilkes uh, to be in the series, uh, presuming that the end of this episode answers that definitively, of course. Um, and given that we're going to have some on his background and some of kind of, you know, the, the, the context of, uh, race relations in 1947, it's nice that as she's pulled onto the dance floor, if you haven't noticed already, this is, uh, you know, a, a club mostly populated by African-Americans and the show not making a big deal of it, which has its own statement and the show just kind of. Moving right along, back to the plot here, and uh, and a lovely dance. But he's telling her while they're out there that uh, she he doesn't think that his boss would kill Jane Scott, but part of a cover-up, certainly a possibility, that this is a much bigger thing than they think it is. Uh, and we get to see, again, the guy who shot and killed the two agents who were transporting the body in the club here. The story then moves to Frost's dressing room where she expositions to Calvin. Because, uh, again, it's it's not an overly egregious uh, exposition sin here. I think it's appropriate in the course of the conversation. But anyhow, it's exposition uh, that zero matter could make atomic energy obsolete. So are we clear, Pete, on everyone's motivations? Are we clear that zero matter is the thing that we saw at the end of last episode? And are we clear that she says her husband shouldn't let them, the council, walk over him? Yeah, while she walks all over him, referring yet again to his mistresses and having to clean things up, uh, fingerprints and whatnot. Um, but tomorrow, the zero matter is going to be gone. But let's think about brighter days ahead. He gets her back on point here, the Senate campaign. Um, that they're going to have a long run. Things are going to be better. Oh, yes, you'll make a wonderful senator. Uh, camera angle on the hug there, getting her not really 
happy face. Pete, there's an act break, and after it, we are now post-date with Wilkes and Peggy. Uh, Wilkes explaining that he's moved from those far-off orange groves, being told that he couldn't get out of them, uh, and moved all his way to his current position. Uh, It's an obvious character moment, an earned character moment. It adds wonderful definition uh, to the character of Jason Wilkes, all filmed at uh, the Griffith Observatory for real, using those uh, L.A. locales uh, as as promised. And um, I just thought it was a, it was a wonderful uh, scene for Wilkes and time for some of that explanation to Peggy, who might not be as ensconced in uh, in, in the foibles of American culture at this time. And uh, thus Peggy acting as a proxy for the audience and blah, blah, blah. Just a really well-executed well scene. It speaks to the nature of the duality of the show uh, that they can now go out on location, albeit still in Los Angeles, and, and you know film up at Griffith Observatory. Include that as a story point that he had started there, a second job scrubbing the floor after he had gotten out as a Navy engineer. But Matt, I I think, and we're going to return to this in our classified top secret segment, there's a little bit more than meets the eye with uh, Jason Wilkes here talking about having, uh, you know, tended those orange groves just at the extent of the light of the city of Los Angeles. But there's, it just feels like there's a little bit more going on in that dialogue. Are you suggesting perhaps that this location also used in the first Transformers movie means that one of the cars that uh, that uh, Stark has is in fact an alien who is a robot in disguise? No. Wah, 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 wah. Inside we go into the Griffith Observatory because Pete, nobody has a a, a film uh, projector at home. I almost said film <laughs> film player. It's such a thing. Um, ostensibly, that's while they're there. I think it's a slight like really nobody has a projector at home like no one but eh, whatever we're using the griffith observatory man uh he shows the mojave film your standard nuclear uh, detonation but then pete uh, what appears to be a black hole or perhaps a, a, a crack in the universe watch out doctor who fans um and after it does a lot of sucking up of army guys and trucks and uh and uh, tanks and that sort of thing it leaves a liquid goo Pete, what do you make of the goo? Well, first off, more like Doctor Strange fans, Matt, because uh, it was thrown at us a little bit later on. Was this extraterrestrial, extra dimensional should uh, have greater meaning in the year 2016 where we get the Doctor Strange movie come November clearly being teased here early on those men and those army vehicles were sucked into not a different planet but a different realm wow that's um that's more than i read into it i know i'm a little bit less uh a little bit less uh, ensconced in the Doctor Strange uh, mythology and whatnot. I like that we are kind of moving to the the edges of one story and getting to the edges of another. Certainly uh, a hallmark of these Marvel shows. Well, you know, the idea that what was left behind would not fit anywhere on the periodic table, hence zero matter. But Matt, the danger from the zero matter, the danger outside 
Peggy's car's tires have been slashed, and before you know it, they're in big trouble. They sure are. It's kind of your standard run-and-gun fight as the baddies descend. Uh, Peggy presses the SOS button. Um, quick cut to Stark Manor where the signal is heard, and Jarvis, dear, come inside. Stop playing with your flamingo. Uh, there's the sock on the door. There's a spot on the doorknob. Well, I, that too. Um, back at the Griffith Observatory, uh, Peggy finally hotwires one of the bad guy cars while uh, um, Wilkes you know, makes a good showing. Uh, he, he gets a few shots in, all of them missing, but hey, it's a network TV show. Uh, they they hotwire the car and we're off to the races. <clears throat> Act break, Pete, and then they're driving off through tunnels and streets and whatnot. Hey, Pete, I wonder if it's that tunnel that's... Uh, Close to Griffith Observatory, which has been used in both Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit, but I digress. It can't be because I didn't see any bunnies or hoverboards. Uh, I will take your word for it. I know that the car, though, does end up shot. They hide the car. Um, Luckily, Peggy shows the secret lapel pin, reminding everybody, hey, that was on last week. I mean, um, last hour's episode. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And she's seen that symbol before, but uh, we cut back to Violet in the Auerbach agency, the talent agency outside of the SSR West. Hey, who's that clown, Matt? Um, that's a creepy as heck uh, <laughs> clown that they did nothing with. As somebody on Twitter said, that was a little bit of a stretch just to make a clown joke. Um but I don't know why somebody in clown makeup would sit there being told, sorry, that the talent agency doesn't want you. Um, it was kind of frightening, and I'm not one of those people who's particularly scared of clowns. Well, Mr. Auerbach, Sousa, uh, he gets the call here from Jarvis that Carter called from the Griffith Observatory that uh, she needs help. The story moves to Peggy and Wilkes uh, needing change made at a diner, and uh, there's a bigot there who won't make change. Uh, I did not realize that at this point we were making hay of the Wilkes background race story from Griffith Observatory, given that the character apparently is coming to an end in uh, oh, about 15 minutes worth of time. Nonetheless, I appreciate that the show is going to add to the diversity of the cast but then also add to the narrative and the implications of what it means for there to be a black man of, of scholarly pursuits and of, a, of, you know, research, uh, you know, in a research position and what that means in 1947. I'm, I'm glad that they were doing this, not just like acting as though this was not a big deal in 1947. Right. And we expect the uh, conscientious, uh, outpouring from Peggy, but what makes it that much more believable and nuanced as far as writing is that he says, what are you going to punch out all of LA Uh, grounding it in the reality of the time, not making it acceptable or accepting it, but understanding what is the reality of that time. Indeed, acknowledging without trying to sound trite, acknowledging that this is a, struggle beyond him and beyond his situation and 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 uh room for progress certainly hey let's follow that up with an interracial kiss absolutely the show uh 
show's certainly not uh, being being pulled back by its 1947 uh, uh, setting, and uh, the phone doesn't work. But boy, Pete, that kiss sure does. Yeah, and uh, you know. She was thinking one thing, he was thinking the other. Uh, he was not thinking about stealing that car as the act ended. Back after the act, we are at SSRHQLA. Uh, there's some exposition to make it clear that they've been to the Griffith Observatory. They've seen the slashed tires. They've seen the bullet casings. Uh, Sousa has, has himself a proper, uh, proper angry attack behind closed doors. Um, Still no sign of Peggy, but Pete, he's got a special kind of concern for Peggy, says Rose. He does, and then he comes out and sends Jacobs to the observatory, Baxter, Matt, to the Dunbar. Name should mean a little something, okay? And has Rose put out an APB on Jason Wilkes. Jarvis, of course, is going to go with him to Isodyne Laboratories. He's through playing nice. Back we go to Isodyne, where uh, Wilkes has got his special container for the red matter. uh, I mean, uh, zero matter, um, which gets flattened and moved with magnets, much like uh, the red matter did. Anyhow, it's transferred into, Pete, I'm going to throw a technical term on you here. It's transferred into the bank to be thing. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You were reading my notes here, okay? Making a withdrawal through the pneumatic tube at the bank. (laughs) <laughs> not a metaphor um he's stopped and discovered by whitney frost who he apparently has no idea is married to the boss i mean she's a star of some note he knows that uh calvin fan is the boss he's a fan you would i, I would th- i mean <sighs> thumbs down for the writing in this particular moment here he would surely know that she's married to his boss you would think meanwhile Peggy, clad in a lab coat, uh, doesn't have clearance to uh, be there, but she's asking guys for their clearance, getting them to sign things. Oh, no, wait, here, I will kick your ass. (laughs) Yeah, it just... If it was an excuse for a fight scene, it was a great excuse for a fight scene. Well well well-timed, well-earned, intercut with Frost wanting to take the Zero Matter herself. Um... There's a loaded line here, Matt. Ooh, what is it? She says to him, I'm surprised to see you alive. Why is that loaded? I just kind of read it as... Well, I think in light of, you know, what they've been through out the episode being chased here, obviously she's in on that before she pulls the gun. And then she tells him that she is the only person that's seen what this substance is capable of. Probably why then, Pete, uh, they fight over the container only to see it dropped and it does its uh, exploding, sucky, flashy thing. Yeah, the the blast here, the shockwave, if you will, going past uh, Peggy even. Uh, she comes in looking for Dr. Wilkes, for Jason, and finds nothing but a giant hole in the side of the building. That, of course, ends the act, and after it, Susan and Jarvis show up at the lab, and a really, really great performance here out of uh, Haley Atwell. She's frazzled yet professional, particularly with uh, Susa. She's trying to kind of 
start the debrief process and he's saying just calm down go home uh she says that wilkes is gone kind of uh you know i'm, I'm not gonna swear that that's now gospel for forever and ever but at least it's made clear to us um his status in this episode then pete i i love that she's even more vulnerable with jarvis who she tearfully asks for a ride home right still uh stiff upper lips still kind of uh I don't know, maintaining a certain level of dignity, but she's able to 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 let that mask down a bit with Jarvis. Yeah, and the camera map on this scene went strangely out of focus, um, purely intent, not accidental. Uh, wondering if that might mean a little something more for Jason Wilkes. Ooh. You certainly never know, particularly on a Marvel show. Um, we imagine that this is very late in the night. It's then several hours later, the next morning, Sousa is pulling up to his house, seeing Violet. Uh, he tells her that everyone is fine, including Peggy. And that's where I start to feel nervous, Pete. And then <laughs> Violet says she loves him. And then yeah. I start to feel worse. And then yeah. this strong, able veteran of World War II who has given life and limb to protect his country as he kind of crutches up the steps to go home after keeping us all safe it's just a sandcastle it's waiting to be knocked down let's just face it that's not even spoilery i know nothing this is not good this much, is not good much like the meeting with anna and peggy here at the end of the episode it's hitting her um you know what's gone on and uh anna can lend the perspective here that uh you know edwin had only known her a couple days and there he was forging papers uh you know with the third reich um but peggy has has been through this with steve she's been through this with the loss of her the murder of her roommate uh that she felt tremendous guilt for at the beginning of uh the first season and you know, for people like Sousa and Peggy, this is never, ever easy. Only the Jack Thompson of this world, Matt, seem to have it, you know, seem to have a grip on things. Well, <laughs> Jack Thompson, another Saint Castle, I hope, gets uh, gets knocked down. But Pancaked. <laughs> Pancaked, indeed. Pete, I guess where Anna comes from, it's always Whiskey O'Clock. Wow. <laughs> With well, that, Pete... What's Whitney, next? Whitney, Matt. End of the episode here behind her dressing curtain. Uh, knock on the door. Her husband is explaining that there was an accident at the lab. That the zero matter is all gone. And we come in close on her face and see the crack just like we did in the Mojave Desert. Whitney, let me in. What lunkheads deserve some time in the joint? This list of baddies will tell us just that, Pete. How about Calvin Chadwick, Matt, to lead off? Up to no good. Why, Pete, he's one of those politicians. Of course, we shouldn't trust him. But um, there is something sympathetic about him. The fact that uh, that Whitney Frost appears to be... Uh, dare say kind of cuckolding him almost uh at least in a in a power sense if not if not in the bedroom um th there's a nuance to the character even though we haven't seen 
much of the character or much nuance. It's kind of baked in. A Clinton-esque vibe, <laughs> if you will. Perhaps so. Perhaps so. But uh, they're smart to flip it around and with the uh, exposure we get to this council to take what we think is the heavy and pull him several rungs down the ladder and he's going to be told in addition to his wife telling him uh well you know we're we're going to shut down isodyne we're going to do this you're going to go along with it we're going to put you up as as senator this is the way it's going to be yeah it's it's an effective use of the baddie i think that i think that butters and physicus have a little bit of a better handle this season how to do a 10 episode arc with more punch in each episode but still punch to the overall arc than they did last season maybe it was just kind of uh, the new experience of all the characters maybe it was just simply a matter of uh, eight episodes not giving you as much uh, kind of wind up room but uh, the pace here is great these crime councils never work out do you speak from personal experience Pete no, I'm just saying they just never work out. <laughs> Fair enough, indeed. What's the next baddie, Pete? Whitney Frost. Now, of course, uh, cracking up. Indeed. It's uh, it's delicious just knowing a little bit about the character uh, that we've discussed in some of our preview podcasts for season two. Uh, it's delicious to kind of see where that, where we might be headed, where, you know, to what degree the comic character is informing uh, her journey here, how they're kind of interpreting it, and uh, certainly that uh, that first crack in, in, in the mask that is her face. To see that, you know, in the literal um, idea that her day has passed her by as an actress, and it, it's something that, you know, dealing in this world, we have seen this as well with talent and at what point women are asked to take, you know, mother and grandmother roles when they're still physically able to, uh, to bear children. But the idea now that here is a woman who's running her household and her marriage behind the scenes that she yearns for more and she has lost the thing that she holds the most dear in her appearance. Vanity, thy name is Whitney Frost. Classified Top Secret. Holy mackerel! Time to take a gander at what the G-Men don't want you to know. Pete, where shall our secret discussion start? This council, Matt, I know you seem to think they're Hydra. Let's hear why. I think just because... I think there now is the breathing room where if they do a Hydra story or proto-Hydra or whatever, that since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not dealing with an ongoing Hydra uh, situation, I mean, I know there's kind of remnants and whatnot, but it's not kind of S.H.I.E.L.D. versus Hydra as it was potentially a year ago. Um, I think it gives you some more wiggle room where it doesn't feel like it's just nonstop Hydra all the time. And you can go back into the history of this organization and see it kind of developing. And now that we've had some hints uh, of Hydra's history in S.H.I.E.L.D., we can kind of continue along that path without it feeling like you have to have watched all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to understand what's going on here. Well, speaking of path, Matt, we know that the Pathfinder 
group predates the Hydra group by some time. Uh, you know, we've we've seen uh, meetings in British castles centuries ago. So I think there's a little bit more than meets the eye when it comes to this group. Yeah, the easy way out is to say Hydra. And I'm going to credit uh, Butters and Fizikas at this point for not making it so clear-cut Hail Hydra. Wow. Uh, that, that seems like a ringing endorsement from, uh, from someone who certainly would know. Pete, here's another, uh, another theory to discuss. Have we seen the last of Wilkes? No. I, I think there certainly is that wiggle room. I wonder, Pete, maybe we'll end up with a situation where, where Peggy Carter is so kind of heartbroken as, at his loss that she'll, she'll go through, through the, 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 the portal to the other side in search of him rope around her waist uh some <laughs> some desert like alien planet i don't know but it could be compelling tv oh i thought you were describing poltergeist there for a second <laughs> i was describing uh you go out to arizona on, a, on Shield, an indian yeah. burial ground oh no i realized that as well <laughs> it, it, it could so work in you know so many different ways um I mean, I think it's certainly a possibility. You know what could happen, too, is that somebody with some powers could, uh, you know, touch her and she could suddenly uh, have a vision. Ooh. Options abound, certainly. Long distance. Pete, in the future, we want you to flap your lips, write a telegram, or even send us uh, the Twitter. And uh, hopefully starting next week, we can start to hear some fan feedback. Uh, this ended the prior episode, of course, being recorded in the wee hours to get it out to you, the people. Indeed. And Pete, how can people join that conversation? Where is the best place to start? You can find me on the Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-6000. K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, Forty-one followers can't be wrong. While I am personally on the Twitters looking back lost, you can be in touch with the radio program by being in touch with Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH in plenty of ways. Send an electronic letter to us on the Gmail, post a note on the dot com, or tweet us your telegraphs on the Twitter. Don't forget, Fantastic Geek is the way to go. And Pete, there's yet one more way. Yes, go to facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word and click yourself the little thumbs up like button there and you will instantly be plugged in to all of the fantastic geek goings on. Well, Pete, with that, we have eight more episodes of Agent Carter, eight more episodes of Agent Carter podcasts, and certainly an exciting ride ahead of us for the next two months. So with that, I'll say goodbye, good night, good luck to one and all, and Pete, with what wacky words will you close tonight? Good Lord, is that a mirror? Good Lord, is that a mirror?